We turn now to God's Word, and we're continuing in our series on Galatians. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the, the fruit of the spirit of gentleness, and I'll be reading uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 6, 1, and it'll be up on the screen behind me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So recently we decided for both of the, the grandpas in, in our life, both of Silas's grandpas, to make them some of those mugs you know, those homemade pottery mugs. It's really amazing. It's a sweet little, it's a sweet gift when a five-year-old makes you one of those mugs, right? Especially if you're his, his grandpa. Come on. Uh, so, you know, we, we, agree, we convinced him that we were going to do this. We, you know, went on Google and found a place that you can actually go and make them and they'll fire it and everything. And then, you know, you spend a couple hours at that pottery place or... However long a five-year-old can sit still, I mean, that you make the mug, and then you have to leave it there because it has to go in the fire, right? And then, after, you know, a couple weeks, you pick it up, you bring it home, and then your kid, if he's not totally gentle, he could just destroy the whole thing, the whole process, right? So we get the mugs a couple, you know, on Tuesday, I think it was. And, we're sh- and he's so excited to see, you know, what he's made and see how it turned out and everything. We got the two mugs. And he's just, like, whipping it out of the bag and just, you know, throw, uh, you know getting off the paper and everything. And, and I'm just like, careful, gentle, please. This whole process, you know, could be completely... De- you drop that mug, it's over. It's over. And we're not going back there and spending all that money to make two more mugs. And then the final step is, you know, to give it. To give it to, to, give it to the grand, grandfathers for their birthdays and get to celebrate. But all of that stuff can be, you know, wiped away if we're not gentle. I want to teach my son to be gentle, to be careful. And the Bible says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. And how many situations are there in life? In this, you know, this broken world that we live in, that, you know, years of goodwill can be built up, years of good relationship, and then one person shatters it because they're not gentle, because they're not kind, because they're not loving. And, you know, harsh words and not being gentle when we're called to be gentle and everything kind of shatters like a, like a mug that's dropped on the floor and needs to be rebuilt. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. 
It's that next fruit of the Spirit. And if you stay rooted, if you stay rooted in the Holy Spirit, if you stay rooted in the vine, gentleness is produced in you. Slowly but surely. Like, like Andrea said, it's a process. But we should be able to look back and say, five years ago, ten years ago, I'm more gentle than I am today. I'm more kind. I'm more loving. So this morning, as we unpack this text, I just want to share with you what gentleness is, according to the Bible, and what it isn't. What it is and, and what it isn't. So just as, a, just as a reminder, let's take a couple steps back into the book of, of Galatians and think about what's been going on here. Paul has been uh, writing to them this, this letter, the main thing, thrust of which is that, you know, Jesus saves us from condemnation, the condemnation of sin, and yet he also saves us from, you know, performing and having to add anything on to the work that Jesus has done on the cross. He saves us from both of those things. They seem like opposites, but Jesus saves from both. And that you know, if these people in this church were going to add anything onto what Jesus did, if they were going to be circumcised, if they were going to try to follow all the laws and ordinances of the Old Testament, it nullifies what Jesus has done. And so then, when Paul gets to this point where he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, it's not trying to earn our salvation. It's not trying to live up to God or what he's done. It's out of gratitude. It's out of thankfulness for what he has done in giving his life on the cross for us, in sharing his love, in creating us and redeeming us and renewing us. One commentator said that the fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist to work through, but the blossoming of a heart liberated by the gospel. Paul says in chapter 5, You've been set free. For freedom, you've been set free. And this is the fruit of it. It's, not, it's the result of it. It's not a checklist. So I hope as we've been working our way through this, and even you know, as we look at gentleness today and self-control next week, it's not for us to say, oh yeah, I've got the, I'm good at that. I'll, I'm going to be really self-controlled. I'm going to be really gentle. That's not a problem for me. It's the fruit of a life that understands who Christ is and, and what he's done. It's the freedom that we've experienced that the Spirit empowers us to live with gentleness. Because if we're honest, you know, none of us is living up to the, the call of being gentle. Some of us might be outwardly gentle, but inside we fume. Or we, 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 we call something gentle that's really just passivity or niceness. And it's it's not love. It's not truly gentle, what the Bible refers to that as. In, in Galatians 6, verse 1, Paul calls them brothers, really, really brothers and sisters. And the letter, you know, Paul's letter, it begins with this apostolic authority. I'm an apostle, I've been appointed, and I've been given authority by God. And then as the letter goes through, it's come to this point of, you know, he's their pastor. He loves them. They're his family. They're his brothers and sisters, and there's this familial warmth 
to it. And that's what he is talking to them about now, toward the end of his letter. And doesn't that remind you of the way that we relate as a congregation? You know, pastor and, and flock, you know, shepherd and sheep, um, the calling that God has placed. It's, it's this, it has to be this balance. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am the pastor and I have to be faithful to the calling that God has given me. To, to what? Lord it over you? No. To serve you. To wash feet like Jesus did. Yes, to protect the flock from wolves, from false sheep, from those that would want to take us away from the gospel, from those that would want to divide us. And that's, you know, that's leadership. But the most important thing to understand is that I'm, I'm an under-shepherd. <laughs> I'm an under-shepherd. Who is the real shepherd? It's the Lord Jesus. And he's the one that is shepherding us. And he's the one that is pouring out his spirit upon us. And he's the one that's protecting us. And really, the most important part of the pastoral ministry, of this brothers and sisters relationship, is what I'm doing right now. In, you know, prayerfully and carefully communicating the Word of God to you. The Word of God that's powerful. And when, you know, when I'm visiting shut-ins, when I'm sharing communion, when I'm ministering to people who have just lost a family member, I'm not doing that as a friend or as a buddy. I'm doing that as a pastor. And I'm doing that, you know, as a priest, not in the, you know, the Catholic sense of that word, but the way that the Bible communicates it as an ambassador, as a, a mediator, you know, between us and God. And so that's why, that's why it's so much more painful when somebody who's a pastor or a spiritual leader falls and doesn't show gentleness and kindness, doesn't live according to the fruit of the Spirit. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, for we know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So there has to be this, this balance that to always be empowered by, by God's grace to not see this as a checklist, something that we have to live up to before God can accept us, but as a result of the gospel and what Christ has done in our hearts. Paul continues, you know, if you're caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. When we see that there is someone who's caught up in something, a brother or a sister, we really have three options. The first thing we do is we kind of just ignore it and hope the problem will go away. Or we hope someone else will maybe deal with it. We have a long tradition in the Reformed tradition uh, of church discipline. And that's kind of a lost art. But, you know, John Calvin started the Reformed tradition. He said the mark of the true church is the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments, and church discipline. 
How do we do that today in a culture that's so adverse to that? And, and that, that infiltrates the church. It's so difficult to do it, but it doesn't, it doesn't just go back to John Calvin. It doesn't go back 500 years. It goes back to Jesus giving the keys to Peter and saying, these are the keys of the kingdom. This is a serious matter. And yet, and yet these are the things I'm talking about when I'm talking about gentleness. Because we, we have to do it for the person's own good. This is literally life and death with eternal consequences. And yet if we do that in an overpowering way, if we do that in an angry way, we've belittled Christ and and who he is and how he calls us to live. So we do that with love. We do it with kindness. We do it with gentleness. But we do do it. We, We don't leave it and we don't attack them for their foolishness, or for the way that they stumbled. We, what does it say? We restore them. We restore them. What a beautiful picture. There's a ministry on the East Coast that I was involved with, and it provides a safe house for people that have been caught up in sex trafficking and labor trafficking. So imagine the, the, the trauma that they've experienced. Imagine all that they've gone through, and then they have a safe place to be to begin to rebuild their lives. And what was the name of that ministry? Restore. Restore. That's a beautiful picture of what that word means and what Paul is calling us to here. To restore someone in a spirit of gentleness. Again, if we're connected to the vine, if we're connected to the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit act toward us? through gentleness, through kindness. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Jerry Bridges, who's written a wonderful book on the fruits of the Spirit, he said, the gentle Christian will not degrade or belittle or gossip about the brother or sister who falls into some sin. Instead, they will grieve for them and pray for their repentance. If it is appropriate for them to become personally involved, they will seek to restore them gently, aware that they themselves are also subject to temptation. That's a picture of of gentleness and humility, knowing that none of us is, um, is perfect. And that we can't look down on anyone. You know, when we're angry, when we're bitter, when we're, uh, you know, unkind with our words, when we're not gentle, we're saying that we're better than them. We're putting ourselves above them. We're forgetting about Jesus, who everything that he did was gentle. Even he had all the strength in the world. And yet Jesus was gentle and kind. That's what gentleness is not. Gentleness is not passivity. Gentleness is not weak. It takes strength to be gentle. Especially in those, in those situations where we, where we have power. You know? When we 
when we're hurting, when we're grieving, when we're troubled, how is Jesus toward us? Does he come in with guns blazing? Does he pour out his wrath and his anger? No. He, uh, he steps into our lives like this. Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 from the message. Jesus brings gentleness to our suffering, to our anxiety, to our depression, to our heartbreak. And he steps in. The ultimate act of gentleness was when Jesus surrendered himself to, to brutality. <laughs> you know, to the brutality of a Roman cross, to the brutality of soldiers who kicked him and abused him and shouted at him. Jesus didn't... Jesus, yeah, sure, he taught about gentleness. He modeled it in his life, but he showed it the most when he went to the cross and when he died. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had every right to rage against them. I mean, Peter raised his sword and he said, put it away. He was going to do this through humility, through surrender, through gentleness. And when you connect with Christ, you're tapping into a strength that you can't get from anywhere else. You're tapping into the gentleness of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, put away your sword. Put away your sword. I need that reminder. Peter, put away your sword. Nobody ever became a Christian by losing an argument. People aren't going to be yelled at into the kingdom. People aren't going to be yelled at to become healthier. That's not how it works. But when we're connected to the vine and he's producing gentleness in us, transformation happens. I want to just close by looking at a couple of questions. Uh, Some of these are inspired by that chapter I read in Jerry Bridges' book on gentleness. So these are some questions for us to consider. How do you respond to those who are tempted in a way that you're not? Or maybe it's something that you used to struggle with but you don't anymore. You know, are you... Are you gentle towards them? Are you kind towards them? Or do you sort of look down on them because, well, that's not something that I struggle with anymore. Second, how do you view those that are less, I mean, this is a little bit of a fill-in-the-blank question, less gifted, less intelligent, less attractive, less whatever. You know, we're so tempted to look down on people that have different gifts than us or what we perceive. You know, we build ourselves up. And then we're not gentle toward them. Third, do people around you feel tense or anxious because you're judging their every action? Do you make people feel as if they're walking on eggshells? 
It's so hard not to judge, but to, re, to, be, to have that judgmental spirit in us replaced by the gentle spirit of Jesus. Gentle, kind, loving, yet truthful. Number four, how do you react to those that have a different opinion about religion or politics than you? Are you gentle toward them? Or do you sort of feel like, if people disagree with me about this or that, then they're a fool. I think, you know, I know we're not hugging everyone right now, but, you know, if you're a Republican, maybe you should hug a Democrat after church. If you're a Democrat, maybe you should hug a Republican. Just to know, be gentle toward each other. And, you know, this is a little bit of, um, the last question is, you know, getting into power dynamics. I mean, are we kind to those, uh, are we gentle toward those that we are, that we're married to? Are we gentle, you know, parents, are we gentle toward our children? You know, we don't want to be harsh toward them. We can discipline them, but we do it with, with gentleness. Older siblings, toward your younger siblings. Bosses. A lot of us here, we have authority at work. We, we supervise people. We're responsible for people. It could be easy in that position of power to, to not be gentle. But yet the way of Jesus is to do that. To be gentle and kind, especially when we've been put in a position of authority. Proverbs 15 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. So may we, may we live in that reality this week. May we sit in that truth. May we stay connected to the vine, to the Spirit. And may the Spirit grow gentleness in us. And may we experience the gentleness of our Savior in new ways. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we're astounded and renewed and surprised when we, look at, when we look at you with fresh eyes, when we see that you set aside your power and you humbled yourself all the way to death on a cross for us. May the love that you have shown on the cross, may it change us, may it transform us so that we let go of our anger, our judgmentalism, our pride, and live in the way of Jesus, the way of gentleness. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.